Hey everybody, I'm Jody Vance. And I'm George Affleck. And it's time for... Here comes the sun, doobie doobie. That's fun. Or is it? I don't know. With the future, it's uh, we've got new a new world order, and the, the sun outside looks, as well. The future looks bright, sunny ways. Is that what you're trying to say? Are you pulling from the federal into the municipal? A little bit. I mean, you know, I think people obviously made their statement in the poll. You know, we had our we had our quick show after the after the election, and we took last Friday off. Um, you know, the results were pretty resounding in Vancouver, and we're specifically talking about Surrey had a bit of a. <laughs> It was closer than people might have wanted. Uh, but in Vancouver, I think people are going, okay, that that was a resounding victory. Control of council, park board, and uh, school board for Ken Sim and ABC. Uh, that's a statement from the people of Vancouver to say, you know what? We need something new and different. And uh, Well, it's going to be new and different. It's going to be new and different for their inauguration day, right? When Ken Sim is officially the mayor. On November seventh, yeah, they're like doing a big. Thing. Well, the ceremony, yeah, it's probably the same similar ceremony to what we had when I was there, but we used to do it at the uh, Olympic Village Community Center, and even that was actually more extravagant. Prior to Vision, they would just do it in the chambers, and it was very, uh, very informed, like just like you'd go into the chamber, get sworn in, that was it. Then Vision did their show at the, and that they got you know, hit hard for that because, Hey, we want to invite our family and friends. And I, I never had a problem with that and didn't, it yeah. cost a bit of money. And I think or Bob Mackin doing stories about how much money this was costing the taxpayers. And I was like, yeah, but you know, uh, and so this is at the Orpheum. It's a city facility. You still have to pay for it. Uh, there's not a lot, ton of costs, but you know, I think it's good to celebrate and, and, and say, you know what, sunny ways. Yeah. Let's move forward. Let's, let's get excited about uh, this new council, this party. And especially just I off like Granville street. <laughs> Right. I, I kind of dug your reaction afterwards. Your reaction on Twitter, I thought was really good because it was like, we should have more fun in the city. We yes. should celebrate what's happening next. Yes. We should start at least before we start tearing down what they're doing wrong, which we will probably yes. do here on Unspun regularly. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like, let's, let's shake it up. Let's make it, let's make it interactive. Let's make it a thing where there's a conversation yeah. at it. And, sure. and, I don't want to beleaguer the outgoing mayor with a whole bunch of negativity here because his term is over. And that's mm -hmm. something that I, as I've said many times here, I was looking forward to because I was very frustrated, particularly with how Kennedy Stewart handled the pandemic and, and basically saying we're bankrupt, we're screwed and nobody's coming to help you. I thought that's the antithesis of what I want in a leader. Um, yeah. So he had his final council, um, the other night and uh interesting always to note and surrey their last council meeting was like rammed full of all kinds of motions and stuff and how do those usually roll how does it how, how did you see the vancouver council the final council for the outgoing mayor and the outgoing members uh how did you view it uh, well, they had that one undrip vote, the First Nation stuff that was somewhat, you know, that was put in there and, and that Colleen Harbrick, I believe, voted against. So, but then they had an in-camera decision on a contract, which was awarded for the Granville Bridge uh, loops to be redone uh, on the north side. If you're familiar with Granville Bridge, when you exit and enter, you get there's these loops. They're going to get rid of those. So what are we um, going to do without those? Are we all just going to drive through the entertainment district? We're going to be screwed on oh, that bridge. No, no. It's called normalizing. 
normalizing. Uh, they take them, they just kind of create streets. Just like this, the south side, they did it t- t- 30 years ago on the south side of Granville Bridge. They turn, they create loops. So it's just, instead of a loop, instead of a loop, it's a square. And so you'll go straight, turn left, turn right. So you'll kind of come off the Granville Bridge. Oh, okay. Uh, so you'll still have that option. Hotel. You'll just. Yeah. You just okay. go right down a street and then right down another street. Then there'd be a light at Pacific and and, and the same on the other side. So it just squares it off. So it's not as zooming like you know, like a like a highway exit in the right. middle of our city. And, and then there's going to be the ability to put four towers uh, in that in the land that's uh, reclaimed from those loops that you can access in. And that is so, exactly where towers should go, in my opinion. Yeah, they're right by my house. It's fine. We're fine yeah. with towers in Yaletown. <laughs> but when my brother used to live, my brother and sister-in-law used to live down there on a tower, and there is a sense of community there. It is built for that. There are yeah. parks right there, and there's no like elementary school plunked in the middle that feels, you know, out of place. It's it's thought mm-hmm. through. It's it and people were all up in arms about Vancouver House and that you know the height of it and the blade and then the butterfly and then the da da da. And it's like, but you know what? Downtown, I I get it. I I. I kind of get it. I was just a little bit like, can we cost this? Can we figure out, can, can the new incoming council and the new mayor do? Cause the one thing about Ken Sim that um, I keep hearing that I, that peaks for me and you and I have talked about budgets and what have you, the fact that he is a chartered accountant kind of gives me some hope when he says he's going to look at the budgets and, and, and actually like parse out priorities and what have you. So what this one thing going through and you and Charles Goche, formerly of um, the uh, downtown, downtown there. Yeah. BA, yeah. Um, we're kind of going around in, in our Twitter conversation. I love Charles. Yeah. We have very respectful conversations. I always learn from you guys. Mm. So I'm he's much you know, more posing the question now that he's out of uh, his job since he retired. He's very funny. He's very funny. He's more yeah, opinions he's, than he used to. Yeah. He's um, saucy. But you know, why this, wouldn't they revisit it just for a well, hot minute? They put them a tender out, so you have legal re- repercussions if you, you revoke it at RFP uh, request for proposals. So they put that RFP out, and this is already two years delayed, three years delayed. The original we approved this when I was there, uh, the, oh, wow. the concept. Okay. And what so if the you concept, were there, I'm okay with it. Yeah, we approved it. It was approved in a public hearing, um, and then we put it out to tender. The original plan, though, was that the developer who it was, was going to be a land lease is, was the goal that we'd lease the land, not sell it because there'd be these forest properties. And the deal was you'd yeah. have two towers that were strata and uh, two towers that were shorter towers that were social housing. That was the deal we were trying to put out there. Unfortunately, the city got pretty much nobody interested because part of the challenge was they they were required to also fix those roundabouts. And so I think the city took it back and they went, okay, let's look at this again. Let's, apparently no, no developer wants to do this part. Uh, it's just too, right. too risky for them and too much money out of the gate pre-build that they'd have to invest that they're just like you know what the, the margins don't work so the city then was okay we're going to do this and then we'll then we'll go put it out the same proposal for these this land lease potentially i mean this council decide could decide to just sell the land um which right. i hope they don't because it's prime city property and i don't think city should be selling its land i think it should be leasing it for 99 years that way 99 years we'll have some sweet pieces of property to re sell allocate or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever money we sh- the land is our most valuable asset for the future of uh, future councils. Anyway, so so they put their, they they put it out to RFPs for this loops to go down to get. And so I imagine you know that once you put it once the council decides to put something out, 
uh, any government that puts something out, it then it's out of their hands. They have a, they have a staffing and a whole structure. And if you have a problem with that structure, that's a whole other question. But if there is a, a bid committee that exists, it's made up of a bunch of people from different departments and different you know lawyers and blah, 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 a whole bunch of people. They get the tenders. They're based on all this and whatever checks, ticks, boxes, price, skills, all those different things. Like any anybody who's ever been through an RFP know what the process is. Sometimes it's baked. But uh, I don't think this one would be. I would bet that they that whoever came back and who won this one was the cheapest. I, I, I could put money on it that this was this is not a complicated project. So it's got to be whoever was cheapest. It's literally my, a road build. It's easy. My it's simple. My suggestion, however, remains that it would be also very interesting to begin this next era of ABC with some forensic accounting of everything that is happening moving forward, period. Not even to change things, not to pull back yeah. a contract, not to change a thing, but I'd love to see, because this is one of the things that bothers me about um, provincial politics that I learned a number of years ago that maybe our mm -hmm. listener or our viewer doesn't know, is that when Christy Clark's government leaves and John Horgan's government comes in, they don't get the documents. They mm -hmm. do not get to look at what was there before. And that to me is mind boggling as a taxpayer. Those are my documents. I pay you to lead. I want right. to know what you did. I want to see what you did. And if you're embarrassed or hiding or need to redact what you did, maybe we should look at what you did even closer. Like there's that kind of vibe to mm -hmm. the way politics has always been done. And that grand sort of this, well, this is how it's done. It's like, well, <laughs> clearly it's not perfect. So what can be done better? And we very rarely hear what can be done better. And in particular, as you've taught me so much, George, the size of the budget that is managed by Vancouver City Council, we need a better accounting. And there was a long stretch of time where the amount of money that was coming in for whatever reason, land transfer fees, taxes, whatever it was, the bank that you said we should be uh, not necessarily, you know, hanging our hats on that money train because it's not always going to be there. And here we are needing to sort of have a better idea of how things work and how they should work. And that's why I put forward. That was my unspun perspective. It's novice, right. but I ask it. Sure. No, it's a good question. And forensics always interesting. I would say that, uh, let's not dwell on the past anymore. Let's, how do we re, how do we fix the, the, the moving forward? And I would say, um, the finance department at city hall is, I don't even know how big it is. They don't, nobody knows because it's, it kind of staff are kind of crossing over we different departments. Know. It's very confusing. And, and, uh, I think that there's been an unwillingness, maybe because they're accountants to be flexible in how they can change things and change the way they do things. Um, too know, bad. Look at the way I do my accounting as a, as a business is light, light years ahead of the way we used to do it 20 years ago. And, and I don't yeah. see a big difference when you, I don't know if you're you know, paying bills and things at City Hall. Things are still, processes print, are still kind of old Print the balance sheet. Print the balance sheet. Mm -hmm. Money in, money out. Let's see it. Let's see it. That's what I want to see. Let's talk about some other things, though. Um, sure. What's going on uh, with the activist piece here? There are a lot of activists on the downtown east side who are up bitter, in arms. There's some bitter losers out there, I think. Based, on, I mean, give the guy, you know, they're attacking Ken Sim. The guy hasn't even started his job yet. Uh, you know, come on. You lost. You lost. Take a break. Have a vacation. 
relax, you know, I mean, give it a, give it a month or something. Give like, it a beat. Literally, you know, you could, you could see Christine Boyle positioning herself as the official opposition, which is kind of what I, the character I portrayed when I was there. Um, yeah. But that was, I was an accidental politician to a certain degree. It wasn't like a, you know, I didn't go in there thinking that's what I would be. Um, and I had no plan for it, but it seems like she's got a big plan that as one city, this party with one candidate in, in council with the green party who are not known to be, you know, real tigers in the council. Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're just not that style. Maybe, maybe Pete Fry will step up, but I, I don't, you know, I don't see Adrian Carr really being an opposition power opposition. I think she'll try to work with uh, Ken Sim on things that she cares about. So yeah. I would say that uh, Christine Boyle, you know, but I think, hey, you know, the next day, really, you know, usually at that point, you sort of, okay, you know, you thank, you congratulate and you kind of let it, you know, you, 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 grace, tears, you, grace. Yeah. You know, have some and, so and then all the trolls, as you know, we we know trolls well on on Twitter. You mute them, or you 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 block them. I mute them. Um, so, but they're out there and going after. And I'm like, oh come on, come on, come on, get over yourselves. Yeah, what about see this, what he this has one? To offer. This one's kind of a come on for me as well. I was uh, I was following. It was I think it was Mike Smith show that I was listening to, where. There's like a throwdown between Kit Sauter. This is kind of some inside baseball, but for people following along, mm -hmm. like there are people that are involved on committees who are attacking the outgoing counselor, Colleen Hardwick, who uh, ran for mayor and lost. And, and Kit Sauter, I don't know his official title. BC. Well, he was on the rental advisory committee. Rental advisory uh, committee. Thank you. That. So, so he called and, her you know, what? Lay out the story. Lay out the story. So, because you and I well, both I don't know, know what's before happening. the election or during. He was. Uh, it was how before. Recently, I think it was in June or something. He said this. Yeah, it was before. He called her, you know, the wicked witch of the West Side. Wicked West witch side. of the West Side. Yes, side. yeah. She lives in Kitts Point. You know, she's. Uh, it's Kit Sauter was very vocal in the media uh, about the supporting the Broadway corridor. If you're familiar with Vancouver and this Broadway corridor, which is this rezoning and replanning for the entire second biggest business district uh, or employment district in the province, which, and the first being downtown, the second being, uh, being Broadway, Broadway. You know, hospitals and the and city hall, you've got hundreds of thousands of staff that work in that area. So, you know, the Broadway line and the change and redeveloping Broadway is pretty crucial to success for that future. Yeah. So he was yeah. very vocal. And she was going to rip that up. Colleen Hardwick yeah, yeah. running and, on and the of fact course, that part that's of that gone. Plan, yeah, part of that plan yeah. had rent a lot of rental housing in it, uh, which is something I remember when we started the process for the Broadway plan being a big part of it. But I remember it was mostly about building, you know, businesses. But anyways, um, the so anyways, he was very, very vocal. Very So uh, yeah, he said this, dumb, really dumb, but, you know, sorry, Kit, but too far. You know, you, you're in your role. You're representing the city on a committee, uh, the city council, whether you like them or not. Uh, or individuals, uh, they are your bosses in a way. They, they, you work for them. You're, you're meant to advise them. You're an advisory committee. Your, your role yeah. is to advise the the council on what they, on the position of whatever task, whether it's the LGBTQ committee or the whatever seniors advisory or whatever. Their job is whatever. to look at things that are happening and then go to council and say, here's what we think as a committee representing this community. Um, clearly, we all know how to. That committee felt they were very supportive of the Broadway line, but and she was not, or Broadway corridor. So, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't attack, do things, say things like that. It's really, it's no. it's attempting, 
and it might be funny to people. But uh, and I know for me, a man is always amazed that I, I didn't get in more trouble <laughs> in office because I and, and even on this show with you, uh, I'm not I, I I'm pretty bad sometimes as far as the things I say. Uh, I don't I, th- I speak before I think sometimes. So it's been always very challenging for me to be in, in the spotlight uh, and having been a politician, because generally, you know me privately and the things I say. You know, I'm, to control myself is sometimes hard. Um, and to That's say, what makes so, it so much fun. It's like flying with no parachute <laughs> when I'm because we do this. We don't edit it. We're off the cuff. No. We're saying what we think, and why I enjoy you on radio so much as well because you you've exercised that muscle enough, and you go right to the edge, and I can hear you going even <laughs> farther sometimes. And 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 everybody does. But the thing that surprises me here, because I agree with you, I think this was completely out of line. Name calling is unbecoming. Um, I, I don't, I think it's, you can disagree all day long and, oh, I lost your video. You can yeah. disagree all day. Lost I just the called the shout out. We always just continue doing this. So yeah, funny. This is we lost have lost George. Hopefully he'll rejoin here. <laughs> hey, you're back. Okay. I will <laughs> never call the shout out again. Uh, well, I'm not even sure where we got disconnected, but you were you were saying probably when I some... said we never edit this podcast, and then you're like gone. I'm like Zencaster is letting us down. Oh my god, okay. that was so f- like, and it was everything was crashing. It was crazy. I've never seen that before. For those people, we record us on a thing called Zencaster, which records original audio and video on both ends, and then puts it together afterwards. But it's a cool system. But I've never I know what said I was the saying, servers though. have died. Rah, like oh my god. I have no idea. I was making my point about Kit Sauter and Colleen Hardwick. And And saying nasty words. Right? But calling people names is never constructive. It just isn't. And when you're in a leadership role, you know, you can disagree with people all you want. Lord knows I have disagreed with plenty of people. And I've stepped in it. But I've stopped (laughs) short of name calling. Right? I've stopped short of name calling. I can just say, this makes me angry, or this is what I don't, I see this is wrong, or, you know, give give people a reason why. But calling somebody, anyone, um, names publicly uh, or no, privately, cool. you got to check not yourself, cool. check yourself. Not cool. Anyway, not cool. Olympics, let's talk on? about the Olympic bid, the Olympic bid oh. that is no more. Well, I mean, I guess the city can pursue it on its own. It was uh, out of the gate. We'll talk about EB in a bit, but you know that right. process. But we can do that. This right is kind here. of his first big decision, right? Mm-hmm. I think very uh, in a way, like you know, you're you're basically saying to the the First Nations that came together to put this bid together with the city of Vancouver, and they would hope the province and the federal government. That's a bit of a slap in the face, I would say, to them, and 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 you know, uncharacteristic of certainly most governments, frankly, left or right to go right. against what, uh, what, uh, first nations group might want. So it's, uh, but you know, it's bad four, news. I think four nations, huh? four nations, four, yeah, four, four. So, but it's bad news on a big picture level from my point of view. I, I mean, I, for me personally, I had a little bar that I ran during the Olympics last time that I, it was a contract that was part of my business, but uh, yeah. It's called the Glacier Lounge. It was super cool. It was right in the at the center. That's the you know the theater that used to be a theater. Now it's a church, but we actually rented the whole front. I I, I ran a pub for it's awesome for the entire so Olympic. fun. 
Yeah. Like I was like, you know, cheers. Like, come on into my pub. But it was a private one, but it was cool. It wasn't uh, anyway. Norm. It was George. It was yeah. George. And I would be happy to do that again in 2030. I'd be a little older. But uh, I, the biggest thing that won't happen potentially without the Olympics coming is uh, the the, con- the continued uh, construction of the of the Broadway line subway to UBC. Without the extension uh, federal, from our yeah, because you can use yeah because yeah, you, you can use um, the extension to UBC because you can use this kind of massive event to justify or get funds from the feds and the province and right. blah blah blah. So it's a real it it could compromise that big thing. And I don't really get it. All the facilities are in place. Um, you know, I think the security is the biggest question. Except mark for the inside. except for the athletes' village, which would help perhaps yeah. kickstart some of that building because the athletes' village. Was not be done, done for twenty. Well, that's just it, right? We're doing a lot of things. Yep, yeah. yep. It could be okay. We could. Beats we're going to continue things. to talk about that for sure. But I want to get to because we did take last Friday off, and a lot happened in between the municipal election, which was our special edition, uh, mm-hmm. and now uh, with regard to provincial politics and the fate of Angelia Paterai, who mm-hmm. was challenging David Eby in the leadership race. David Eby now has been given the nod. He will, of course, be the next premier. He'll be inaugurated on November 17th. But I want your take on what happened to Angelia Potteride. Like, what happened there in, in the George Affleck unspun opinion? Well, uh, hmm. I think, first of all, the reaction by John Horgan was his whole career went full circle there. He came back to the angry... John Horgan that we used to remember that he's kept contained for five years as the premier. Remember that was the biggest concern on the pro rep uh, referendum is like, that was the biggest worry that he would get angry, like the angry John Horgan, or that was always, always, is that, you know, thunderous. Mad dad. Yeah. Guy going to come out. He he's kept it under control, but man, on that last press conference about this, he was like on a tear. Um, And he was talking about that, you know, this was an infiltration of the green party into their party. Um, it's funny, you know, I was thinking about this and, and, and I think he's probably right. Um, but I also was thinking it's funny in the States where, um, uh, the, uh, oh my gosh, the, the campaigns in a lot of Democrat ridings where the, the, or, and places where or the Republican or the sort of Republicans were a Trump person and uh, Democrats are signing up to become Republicans so they can vote for the moderate Republican. It's kind of, so it's not unusual that people on the other side will try to uh, infiltrate a party if they can. If let they, me just interject, they, let me just interject here. Cause I think yeah. one of the pieces of this that I learned about being on the radio over this course, and I am no expert, but I want to make sure that our listener or viewer understands that while that is not illegal, it is of course frowned upon. It mm-hmm. is the piece of the puzzle that it was dogwood initiative the the environmentalist group the allegations are that they work together with angelia potterai's campaign manager in order to pay people to pause their green party membership and sign up in the ndp and then vote for her as the leader and it was the paying piece that is really the the sticky bit here that's like you're allowed to change parties you can go wherever you want but there was like this huge flood of people that just came in and and i will point out because you talk about caucus all the time again another george affleck lesson for me over 190 unspun podcasts is how if you don't have your caucus you can't be an effective leader and what angelia Mm -hmm. potter i was 
putting out as her platform had nothing to do with what the BCNDP platform was. Like it was really messy. Well, I don't know. It, it, where do the if the Green Party doesn't can't get elected in in this province as far as control of government, uh, you know, then those Green Party people go. Where do we put our energy? Then are we going to put it in the BC Liberals or whatever they became? And you know, Gordon Campbell was actually very very uh, worked really closely with the environmental movements uh, and did a lot more for the greenness of this province than any premier previous to him and and past to be honest. Um, so it's always interesting that the, the environmentalists don't think they can work with right-wing governments. Uh, I don't get it because frankly, you can, uh, there's lots of proof of it. Um, but they, so their decision that they think, well, they have to somehow then infiltrate the party that will is in power and probably will be in power in the ne- potentially the next election, or if not in the future. So they sure. infiltrating that to get, because the NDP has always been a double headed kind of beast. It's got the whole yeah. union workers, you know, that socialist kind of those dudes. Uh, and then it's got the environmental movement and to balance that has always been a tough thing for them. Tricky. And, they, and, and mm-hmm. it's a reason that they've managed. And it's something that the, the liberals and the Socrates before them, they would play those two sides off each other because it's yeah. great because it destroys them. And so this is not good what's happened here because, you know, they didn't give her a chance to run. Maybe she would have won. I don't know. But it's it's not so much that. It's about that they've they've basically made a statement to what is the, the environment, the sort of radical, more radical environmental people in this province uh, and outside this province, to be honest, that uh, they don't have much time. I think for she should run. This is not their priority. I think she should run. I think she should run as an independent. If there are enough people to support her, she takes government, but run and let the people decide, not a party decide, right? Like, But what does people, it say about the NDP, the though? People, this the, this sec, bullying the that they British, decided to do? Oh, what, what does hello, it say about the... What, how did Andrew... Uh, uh, sorry, now I'm, I'm, I, I went Weaver in my head. That's wrong. Uh, Wilkinson, like... How that how the leader was chosen in the BC Liberal Party was uh, these are not structured um, processes. I'm talking about, I don't understand what you're what, saying. The Lib- BC Liberals right, had a process. Yeah, right. But it was it you're was one of those like. Same? No, I'm saying that there's no, there's no. It's not a democracy. It's a party. Sure. The the, the oh, way the party selects well, the leader uh, is not one that is reflective of the electorate. So let me just finish my That's statement. That's certainly on this, the case. I think this is important. I the other yeah, okay. 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 Stop talking so I can just make my point one second. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. what we're seeing here is not an election where a new leader is chosen to go into an election where the people will then decide who will be the leader. We're watching a premier step down and a leader of that party step in. And this party was elected on a platform that was laid out very specifically for the electorate and won the majority that they did. Whether or not I vote NDP or not is not relevant. And I never talk about how I vote. So it's not an anti this or for that. It is the fact that when listening to Angelia Potterai, who I think is very well spoken, smart, educated, you know, lays it out. She's a great orator. I I understand Mm -hmm. where she's coming from. The things that she put as her priorities as the, what would be the incoming leader and ultimately the premier of this province if she won that role, her mandate was not at all what the people of British Columbia voted for. That's the part that I have issue with. The rest of it is all, there's backroom deals and we have you read a matter of confidence? You know, the way things work is not a straight line, George. Well, I would say that 
democracy absolutely does not exist within the NDP party. That's proven in two leadership races in a row now. Uh, they don't believe, they believe in anointing their leader, uh, clearly. Um, so uh, that says something about their style of leadership and management, I would say, compared to the Liberals and the Green Party. Um, and I would say that, uh, you know, yeah, you're right that once a new leader comes in, um, I don't agree, though, that generally, no matter who gets in, whatever their philosophies are, and they generally should be, I think EB's philosophies are quite different than than uh, Horgan's, but uh, certainly hers were much, much different. But the, well, the one thing that they, get rid the of one thing they need to do, the one, I'm going to do 24 hour a day for yeah, one thing they need to do, they need to call an election immediately. That's you can't yeah. you don't have as the leader of that party, you don't have the the mandate of the province as a party anymore because you have a new leader who what whether or not that person's exactly kind of like the guy before the white guy before the support of the caucus though like that's what you way. taught me but i'm not even talking please don't put words in my mouth that i was no, no, i'm saying white that. man okay no no i'm saying that i'm saying okay. isn't it interesting i'm not saying but i'm but pointing I'm saying. out that Right, but David Eby has the support of the caucus to a degree that he could govern until an election is called, where you taught me that if you don't have your caucus in line and it's a full revolt, it's very hard to lead, right? And what was being put on the table by Angelia Potterai that did not reflect the BC NDP platform in this moment in time would be very difficult. to. There were a lot of people behind the scenes going, What? Like what? And how did we get here, right? So there are many mistakes that were made here. There, you know, I, I don't know what the right answer is. All I know is the way this all played out, all of it seems shady. I just think it's it's all gold for the BC Liberals and Kevin Falcon. Totally, uh, no question about this that. Is, this no is, question there is about a that. divide now that once you see that, you just start digging in. You start did you hear in. that Kevin Kevin Falcon? Not maybe him personally, but did you hear it was the BC Liberals who tipped off the BC NDP that the Dogwood <laughs> thing was at play? Like they actually were like, "Hey guys, guys, you might want to, you might want." Isn't that crazy? I know. I mean, it's it's, it's almost like I can imagine that call. They're pretty like Jeff Meggs or something. Going, oh crap! Uh, how do I how do I deal with this? Oh, I don't want to hear this. Oh no, I have to deal with this, and I'm getting it from the liberals, and I know what they're going to use this in the future. Like I yeah. can't win here. This is a big turning point, though. This is a big turning point for this party uh, that has enjoyed rather a zippity doo zippity a kind of. Uh, checks and balances as far as premiers go you know the most popular in the country for a mm -hmm. good chunk of the last couple of years right and then all of a sudden it's a, it's a black mark so it, and and you have a different style leader now i mean david eby's a nice guy i uh, know him uh yeah. friendly person uh very good young family um yeah but uh he also comes from a very I would say somewhat radical background as far as, if, you know, his, his positions on specific issues. I, I, it'll be interesting to see how he uh, deals with that um, and yeah. how, how if, if he can keep that caucus together. Uh, I think that's going to be his challenge. Um, this Olympic decision, I think, is the first out of the gate, really. I mean, it, maybe it's coming from Horgan, but I would say that this is a big decision by them. And... I don't know if the Liberals should really jump on it. I think they, they did, and I don't know if they should have. I think they should have just mm. stepped back a little bit and let the cities start attacking the NDP. Or let, They're like, not going to step back. That's not how politics Well, I just don't work. understand how it's a – because to me, 
if you live in the Vancouver, most Vancouverites yeah. were, I think, somewhat in favor. I mean, Colleen Harbick was calling for a referendum, which may be a good idea. But I think most people are like, yeah, the Olympics are fun. I wouldn't mind that again. How much is going to be curious about it? Like not yeah. saying shut it down right away. But this because well, you don't have to build everything all over again. Like you yeah. said, so much of the infrastructure is already in place. It's not like we're rebuilding the sea to sky again. Yeah, this NDP government's already proven to be no fun. They've already they said yeah. no to the Olympics. They said no to the World Cup, which they backtracked on. So it's they they kind of like they don't like stuff to, that's like mm. what people like. <laughs> Maybe I like you. I like you on Twitter, George underscore <sighs> at George underscore Affleck. I'm at Jody Vance. Unspunpodcast.com is where you like and subscribe. This will come straight to your email inbox weekly we're gonna keep doing it you're like i don't know if we have enough stuff to talk about now <laughs> well, also we need some sponsors can somebody play, uh, throw some cash please <laughs> yeah george needs the payday let's get paid george let's do this <laughs> we, we very, take commercials we take uh, sponsors feel free to we contact me at uh, my agency george at curve communications.com <laughs> there's my first commercial for for our there show here we are 191 episodes in and we're going to keep going. To, to the show for, for that commercial. Curve Nice. Next time we get together, drinks are on you. <laughs> Peace out, buddy. We'll see Bye. you next week. Bye. Yes, on a Friday. Bye-bye. <laughs>